0: Little Jackson Brown there, so running on empty, running blind, running to the sun, but I'm running behind. Any, anybody feel like that, running on empty? Some of you too tired to lift your hand, you know? The, you know, I see it sometimes in uh, people's body language, you know, coming into church, you know, and uh, you, do, you just can tell. Yeah, I hear it in conversations when, when I talk to people. And, and deep down, if you're running on empty, you know it, don't you? You, you know it because you feel it. And, and your friends know it. And the people you work with, well, they know it. And your family definitely knows it. Friends, God did not design you to live that way goes against everything that God would have us do in our lives. You know, Jesus said the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you may have life, life in all its what? Fullness. That is a promise from Jesus Christ to his followers. It's a promise of an abundant life, a life that's full, not empty, a life that's full of purpose, full of joy, peace, contentment—that that's God's design. And you know, there's a story in the gospel. It's about a person who's very overwhelmed. They've overscheduled. They're exhausted. And her name's Martha. She had a sister by the name of Mary, and a brother named Lazarus. And Lazarus is not in the story. I uh, don't know if he wasn't there or what, but they, they lived in this little suburban town just outside of Jerusalem called Bethany, and they apparently had a guest room, and Jesus would use it from time to time just to get away, relax a little bit. Jesus had been teaching, heavily teaching, dealing, dealing with his critics, healing and, and praying, and he stops by and wants to kind of get out of ministry mode. You know, he wants to replenish and recharge and refuel. And so he makes this unplanned visit, and he wants to unwind. These are three of his closest friends. And Scripture says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus and the disciples, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. So, basically, Mary, her sister, kind of pulls up a chair with Jesus, getting caught up on what's going on. She's like, you know, I'm so glad you're here, and, you know, how are things going? And so they're having this conversation. But Scripture says, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So, one sister's sitting, she's listening to Jesus, she's connecting with Jesus, and the other sister is in the kitchen, you know, doing, doing her thing, and just to help you kind of keep the two sisters apart, I want you to think about Martha, Martha Stewart, okay, all right? If you have someone really young sitting next to you, turn over and tell them who Martha Stewart is, but so Martha is, Martha's in the kitchen, She's frantically running around. She's stressing out. She's preparing stuff. She's serving food. She has drinks and appetizers. She's working on the main course. She's fluffing pillows. She's got the laundry in, redoing everything. She's changing the sheets. And she's trying to make Jesus' time there, you know, very, very pleasant. Mary is in the living room just catching up with Jesus. You go, well, everything's good, right? Not (laughs) a little while, we're told that Mary or Martha she blows a gasket, basically. She doesn't peek around the corner and try and get her sister's attention, she doesn't give her the eye, like, Get in here and help me, you know. No, she came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, do you not care? That my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. I love this. Tell her then to help me. Yeah. Do you not care? And, and I find the question full of irony because you think about it. Jesus left the splendor of heaven. He came to this earth to, to take on human flesh And he's been on the road, and he's been teaching and healing and doing all he can to touch people's lives, and he's exhausted at this point. And Martha comes in, and she's unloading on him. You know, don't you even care that my deadbeat sister, that's not in the text, I'm just adding it, that my deadbeat sister has left me to do all the work all by myself. Think about this. Jesus Jesus stops. He, he, he stops by. He wants a little peace, a little bit of downtime. He wants to refuel. Martha's wound for sound. Jesus doesn't react to her. He doesn't uh, escalate things. He, he, he doesn't uh, even put her in her place because I'm thinking he could have said, you know, can I remind you who I am? <laughs> I'm the son of God. No, he doesn't do that. It says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus simply says, Martha, Martha. First century, uh, that uh, saying is kind of back up the truck, honey. (laughs) Take a chill pill. You're worried, you're distracted. And I love it because Jesus doesn't really accuse her of anything, he's making an observation. He says, Martha, stop, take a breath. you're you're worried, you're distracted, it it appears that that you're tired, you're running on empty. I mean, there's so many things on your mind right now, you're making my visit a lot more complicated than it needs to be. You know, when I come here to to visit, I'm looking for some life-giving relationships, I'm looking to kind of refuel with some close friends. You know, if I'd have wanted a five-star dinner, I could have arranged it myself. You know, last week I fed 5,000 people. Hey, Mary, you might recall, or Martha, you might recall, you know, I I, uh, made that wonderful Chardonnay at that wedding reception. Martha, there's just one thing you need. Your sister, Mary, she chose the better part. I mean, Martha, I I think the only antidote for your busyness, for your frustration, for that worry-filled heart of yours, is sitting down here and having a conversation with me. Now, i got a question for you. Do you think Jesus was right? I mean, Martha's only hope for dealing with her anger with her sister, her kind of overdeveloped sense of responsibility for, for everything that, that she needed to do that was driving her crazy, that was driving her to a point of exhaustion. I mean, do you, do you think the only hope... Was pulling up a chair and unplugging from that busyness and having a conversation with Jesus. I mean, the one that could restore that that, that busy heart of hers, that frantic heart. The, I mean, the, the one that, that could make a difference and kind of settle her spirit and refuel her soul and, and point her toward life. I mean, real life. See, some of you, you're like Martha. I mean, you're so distracted by everything that you're doing. The the fact is, if we were to go around, some of you would go, I don't even enjoy life anymore. Not enjoying anything these days. You know, so exhausted that, that you're running on empty, you're running blind, and you just keep running on and on and on and on and on. Friends, God did not design you to live that way. You know, God wants you to have a full life, a life full of joy and peace and contentment and hope. You know, God wants you to avoid that that emptiness. You know, how do you do that? Well, it starts by you got to stop running and hit the pause button in your life. Friends, if you're going to get a handle on that emptiness that's inside, you've got to refuel with God. You know, Mary Mary sat at the Lord's feet, Scripture says, and and listened to him. And that, that phrase, it's interesting. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. And it literally means sitting, listening. Here's the hard part. Applying it. So she's sitting, listening, and applying what Jesus says. That, that Greek, it's akouo. Uh, it's where we get the word acoustics. It absorbs what it hears. It takes it in. Friends, if you're going to move from being overexhausted in your life or over-scheduled, that, that running on empty mentality, it really starts with unplugging and the lines in the song and running to the sun, S-O-N, a little different. It's sitting at Jesus' feet and being still, which we're not very good at, and just absorbing what God would tell us. And friends, I will tell you, this does not just happen it really requires a commitment on your part. The, the fact is Satan will do everything he possibly can to prevent you from spending time and listening to God. And because Satan knows if, if you for a moment start listening to God, guess what? You find direction in your life you'll find joy, you'll find hope, you'll find encouragement, you'll find a life that's worth living. So, friends, you've got to establish a time for running to Jesus. You know, sitting at his feet, a kuo, you know, listening, applying. And I'm just going to ask you, do you have a set time? And I know as I say that, some of you are real tricky here. here. You go, well, you know, I don't really have a set time, but, but when I have time, I do. Well, how's that working for you? Friends, if you do not establish a regular time, a daily time in your life to spend a little time with God, it won't happen, at least not very often, you know. And you've got to establish a place. A place where you can listen to God, where you can talk to God. I call it holy ground. And it can be anywhere. It could be in your car, it could be in the den, it could be in your office, it could be on the back porch. It doesn't really matter where it is, but you got to establish that and go, This is where I talk to God each day. And you got to establish a plan. You know, maybe read a, a couple pieces of scripture. And just see what jumps at you. Sometimes stuff will jump at you, sometimes it won't. You know, tell God what's going on in your life. And I want to say something here, because it doesn't need to be real eloquent. I know everybody goes, oh, but when I talk to God, it needs to be real polite. It doesn't. Just, just say it. You, you don't even have to sanitize it. You go, really? Yeah, just say it. It doesn't matter. Let it spill out of you, and just have that conversation with God. And what will happen over time as you get comfortable, you know, listening to God and talking to God, the Holy Spirit begins to guide you. You know, sometimes challenges you. Sometimes challenges the direction you're going or some decision that you're making. Friends, you got to stop running though. And you got to listen to God. And here's the other thing you got to do. You got to stop running and give your schedule to God. And I believe that the way that you arrange your daily schedule might be one of the most important decisions you ever make. The fact is, by overcalling your schedule, you can change your future. Anybody want to change your future? Well, it's where one of the places it starts. Your schedule, your your calendar will determine who you become. As a Christ follower, as a spouse, as a parent, a worker, a friend. Your scheduling choices, I believe, have far greater implications than many of us imagine. Friends, it's important. It's important. That's why Paul, Paul writes these words. He says, be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Hmm. Because these days are evil. Friends, it means you've got to do a few things, I think, here. You need to take your schedule to God And I've talked about this before. you got to take the schedule to the Lord and let him do some liposuction on it. What do I mean? Well, Jesus, Jesus is the great physician. And I think as a Christ follower, you crawl up on that table, that operating table, with your calendar, your planner, your smartphone, whatever it is you use, and go, "Lord, I've got some serious fat in this thing, and I want you to suck it out. I am killing myself with all these activities, all these things that I'm doing. I'm running I mean, I'm running hard, but I'm not the spouse I need to be. I not the parent. I'm not the person. I'm not the Christ follower. I'm just not the person you created me to be, Lord. You you lay the schedule out. You lay your time out. And you say, God, I want you to have your way with this stuff. And ask God a couple questions. These aren't complicated. I mean, one of the questions you ask God is, does my calendar align with your priorities? Lord, show me specifically you know, what activities and things I need to suck out of it. And then ask God to give you the power to do it. See, it doesn't really matter if you go, oh, yeah, that probably should go, and you don't do it. Well, you're you're no further down the road. Friends, you let God remove the fat. And what you will find is all of a sudden you will have more time for important things you won't get caught doing the what i call superficial stuff that keeps you empty that keeps you from being the person god created you to be designed you to be and i know we we live in this culture this culture just drains people this culture is always chasing stuff You know, and when we get it, you you ever notice, we're never really satisfied when we get it. You know, we want bigger. We want better. We want faster. You know, we get something new, and and it breathes life for a moment, doesn't it? You feel alive. You're like, wow. But then the newness wears off. And, And maybe you don't realize it. You know, when you get that weary, friends, you're in bondage. You're in bondage, you're in bondage to the way you look to other people. You're in bondage to what people think about you or about your family. You're in bondage to the keeping up with the Joneses stuff. You know, you're in bondage to your neighborhoods and your cars and your stuff. And friends, it's draining and it's emptying that, that, that joy out of life. I mean, it's, it's just something to think about. I think I've shared this before, but something happened in my life about 35 years ago, just a shift in my thinking, because I realized that my schedule is really not so much about what I got to do. It's about who I want to become. You know, most people, when they're putting a schedule together, they start out and they go, okay, I need to list everything that I got to do, you know, everything that's got to be done, the, the, daily, the daily grind stuff, uh, the, the things that uh, if I neglect them, it's going to kind of jam me up, you know. Oh, I forgot to pick the kids up at school today, you know. That's why they're not at breakfast, you know. It's like, hmm. It can be joyful. <laughs> Friends, after you get all your calendar out there, all the I have to stuff, it ends up pretty full, doesn't it? And I know what it creates. It creates a treadmill where you're like, okay, God, help me get through this. This is exhausting. Friends, you do that week after week, month after month and year after year and and what happens is you get like 10 years down the road and you look back and you go nothing's really changed in fact I think many times we look back and we realize actually things have gotten worse I might still be doing my schedule that way if it hadn't been for my girls. And my, my girls at the time, Stacy and Alicia, they were, they were like eight and 11, somewhere around there. I, I was pastoring three small churches at the time. I was going to school in, in Chicago, about a four hour drive every week. I was up there one day a week. And I, I was working on my Master of Divinity at the time. And uh, I was gathering my stuff one evening I had another meeting that I was heading out the door to. And my girls, kind of in unison, they go, this is a simple question. They go, Dad, are you going to be gone again tonight? It cut. I mean, I felt it in my heart. And it just started messing with me. And I, I remember I'm driving, driving to the meeting And that's kind of playing in my head. And I just asked myself: I said, why am I going? Well, the answer was kind of easy. It was on the schedule. As was the meeting the night before. And I was going to be gone the next night because I was heading to Chicago. I mean, why? Because it was on the schedule. Let's get ready to rumble. The fight was on. I started talking to God about it. And God just started impressing on me. You need to pray about your schedule. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to challenge or affirm the things that you're putting on your schedule, those scheduling decisions that you're making. And I started looking at my schedule more holistically. Began thinking about, hey, maybe some of the stuff I put on this schedule, maybe it doesn't have to be work-related. Maybe it could be kind of uh, Non appointment stuff. Oh, I got to be at the doctor, got to do this, got to do that. I mean, maybe other things could be on my schedule. And again, the girl's question, it's just bouncing around in my head, and I'm trying to work my way through it. And I finally asked myself a time question, which this could apply in any area, by the way. But here was the question How much time do I need? to be a great dad not a good dad a great dad and bottom line the Holy Spirit just kept pressing and pushing on me and finally it it seemed like okay I didn't hear a voice or anything but it was just like clear out three nights a week and when I sensed that, I was like, are you, are you joking? I mean, are you kidding me? That can't happen. Holy Spirit, keep pressing. It's doable. Your girls are only young ones. Three nights a week. Make yourself available. Make yourself present. Down the road, you can change this. And somehow, God gave me the courage to get very intentional about it. And so the first time, this first time, I, I just sat down with my schedule, and I started looking a month out at that point. And I'm like, well, if I move some things around three evenings a, a, a week, it kind of made sense. It was, kinda, it was challenging. But I remember writing down Family, 6 to 10 p.m. When the girls would go to bed, I'd head to my office and do do some of the work that was necessary. But but I realized when I wrote that down, it was equally as important as a business meeting or a class in seminary. How you plan your time is huge your schedule has implications in every aspect of your life how you're spending your time matters and I want to challenge you instead of approaching your schedule and going you know what is it I need to do in the next 30 days because that's how we do it I want you to expand your thinking and ask yourself who do you want to become And can I say something here? I mean, almost every week, I'll have someone catch me after the service, and it'll be a conversation kind of like this. Wow, I really needed this today. Really needed this. I've you been struggling, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I almost didn't come today. I was laying in bed, and I'm thinking, should I? Shouldn't I? Now, I do not say this, all right? I did not say this but I think it and <laughs> and I, I want to say really so church isn't on your calendar the the plan is wake up flip a coin and see there's importance in gathering it breathes life Jesus says when he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, this is his hometown, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. Going to worship was on Jesus' schedule. And he was was regular, just going. He knew where he was going to be. Who do you want to become? I mean, if you have the vaguest interest in growing in your faith and becoming someone that has a little more direction, a little more God-honoring, someone that, that's experiencing the abundant life, friends, being in worship's important. It should be on the calendar. You know, meeting with God every day, even if it's 15 minutes. You know, reading your Bible, talking to God. It should be on the calendar. You know, friends, just writing a few words on your schedule and actually seeing it through will determine who you become. And I've seen people that, that have gotten in shape simply by scheduling three or four hours a week. Workout, 6 to 7 a.m., you know. Now, you actually got to show up and do it, but it can change your life. And you know, I have a friend, he racked up a pile of debt and he was stressed out. You could see it, I'd have a conversation with him, I knew it, and finally one day he just poured his heart out. And I just said, who do you want to become financially? It wasn't fancy. He just goes, I want to be someone who's not worried about money all the time. And I encouraged him just to do a couple of things. I said, schedule some time for reading one book on money management. And I suggested something to him to read. I said, you need to schedule some time for making a budget, and schedule some time so you can set some realistic goals for yourself. And we got together a few times through, the, through that process, but he got really serious about it, and he focused on his finances, and he got a plan. It took him five years to get out from under everything. And when he paid it off, when he finally sent that, that last check and paid it off, he called me, he goes, I wanted you to be the first person that knows I'm debt-free. Because he scheduled it, and he followed through with it. This is years ago, I had a, a couple that uh, called me and said, we really need to talk to you. And so we set up a time, and they sat down, they kind of poured their hearts out, and then there came to this point, they just go, our, our marriage is a mess. And we're calling it quits. And friends, I'm, I'm looking across the desk at, at two wonderful people. And I, I'm, I couldn't help I'm thinking about their kids and, and everything and kind of some back and forth as we talked. I, I finally threw, I call it a Hail Mary, you know. I, I go, you've been married for what, 10 years now? Yeah. How about going for 10 counseling sessions? one hour a week I'll connect you with someone I know some good counselors and they kind of reluctantly agreed but they called they scheduled it they persevered their marriage is alive today they would give testimony to it now I want to be careful things don't always work out alright But you can't know if you don't try. You can't know if you don't get it on the schedule. The fact is, this this is something I do know. If you see a thriving marriage, those are people that spend time together. It's not a hit and miss. They actually plan their times together. Who do you want to become in your life? I mean, take a really close look at your schedule. It is a great predictor of who you will become in your life. And I, here's what I know. Some of you, if you were to look at your schedule and you were to be honest with yourself, the, the fact is you're well on your way to becoming divorced, becoming an absentee father or mother, you know, becoming a liability At your job, maybe unemployed, well, on your way to kind of getting stuck. Who do you want to become? Friends, it starts here. It starts here. It starts with God, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It starts with God. And so I just got a little little homework for you today. This is for everybody. Schedule some time to deal with your schedule. You know, put it on your calendar, put it in your planner, put it on your smartphone. Some of you, you can do it right now or as soon as you get home. Pick a day pick a particular time and go, I'm going to seek God's guidance with this. And then ask yourself, as you're looking through it and as you're talking to God about it, who do you want to become? As a Christian, who do you want to become? As a spouse, as a parent, as a worker, as a boss, you know, as a friend. Spend time with God and talk it out. And before you even start the process, you need to set the schedule down and go, God, what do I need to suck out of this thing? You know, before I start adding stuff, what needs to go, what, what's holding me back, what's, what's draining me, what am I killing myself for that doesn't matter? Schedule specific time with God. Get it on your calendar. I'm going to spend every day with God at... Pick a time. I don't care. There's no magic to it, so to speak. You know, it could be in the morning, it could be in the evening, it could be in the afternoon. Just pick a time and put it on the calendar. Go, this is when I spend time with God. Put worship on your calendar, Sunday, 10 a.m., if you didn't know. And schedule time with your spouse, with your family, with your kids. You know, just write home, family, from such and such to such and such. You know, have a family night, have a date night, you know, vacation. Put stuff on your calendar that, that's about the family, those, those relationships, the making plans and activities, and then follow through with it. Follow through with it. Hold the line. Nope, that's, that's my date night with my wife. Nope. That's time with my kids. But you gotta follow through. You gotta follow through. Maybe you're deep in debt. Schedule time to deal with it. You know, maybe you need counseling. Schedule it. Maybe you need to read up on a topic and become more, you know, that it's gonna help you in some way. Guess what? Schedule it. I'm going to read this book. It's, you know, I'm going to read X amount of pages a, a day. You need to schedule it. You want to get back in shape? Schedule it. Get it on the schedule and then actually go work out or do whatever it is. Maybe you need to get out of a deadbeat job. But, you know, I hear people over and over for years and years and years go, man, I hate my job. I hate my job. It's killing me. It's killing me. It's killing me. It's killing me. And, and they just keep going. And it's like, so schedule Uh, uh, Go go back to school, schedule it, figure it out. You can get on a better track. That's the bottom line. You are not going to become fundamentally different until you make a commitment and you put it on this calendar, you put it on your schedule, and you actually live it out. Who do you want to become? Friends, how you use your time. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. And it will determine who you become. It's just that simple. Let's, let's bow in a word of prayer. God, I just um, ask your Holy Spirit to just press all of us. You know, some of the things we're spending our time doing, they're so superficial. I mean, they're draining. But they're not adding value to our families, to our lives. God, I pray that uh, you'd just shake us awake. That you'd show us the things that need to go. And then, Lord, you'd show us the things that we need to get on that schedule to help us become who you want us to be so we can be a better parent or better spouse, better worker. You know, whatever, Lord. God, we lay our lives before you. God, we ask you to help shape our days and our hours in a way that makes a difference. That's pleasing to you. Lord, forgive us when uh, when we just waste, waste time, the most valuable thing we have. Forgive us of that. God, help us to be the people that you created us to be, that you've called us to be. May we give you glory with all we say, all we do, and everything we put on that schedule. We give you the glory this day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said